0: So, David,
1: shall I get him out of the fridge? Please. All right, I'll just go, I'll get the trolley. Oh,
0: just, ooh.
1: Oh, oh dear. Oh. He's a little stiff, but I'll get him in the chair.
0: Okay, great, great. Just well, give
1: us five minutes, we'll warm him up.
0: How about we just warm him up, and while we're doing that, we. Okay, not with your breath. Okay, well, Look, he's, let, he's coming loose. Okay, great, great, great. David Bright, next. You're listening to I Spy, the embarrassing legal case of Australian intelligence.
1: My lord, I believe that Mr. Callan and Ms. Stevenson should be set free for services to the nation. The information they have been putting across has been nothing but warranted, and I think the case against them is spurious.
0: I agree. Can we go? Hello and welcome to Ice Spide. My name's Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we have another David who's been put on ice. David McBride, military lawyer, served in Afghanistan, turned whistleblower. I'm so happy that he didn't escape from the fridge. Oh, mate, i got to tell you, he
1: freaked a lot of people out here at Diamantino Media when they opened the fridge to get the lunch and there he is waving back at them.
0: But very handy when you had people over and you needed to get a couple of beers out of the fridge. Exactly. It was and just you, handing them out.
1: You did pass the mountain training segment of the SAS. UK, the British SAS training or selection criteria. So you're quite used to cold temperatures, is yeah. that right?
2: Well, that, you got pretty warm there because you're carrying <laughs> that bloody pack on your back. <laughs> up, down, up, down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I am used to that English weather a little bit. You know. Yeah.
0: So we touched on in last week's app. we touched on all of the stuff around kind of how you got here and what transpired and the information and you saw the patterns and you kind of took it out and how hard it was for you to do that and then the Brereton report. But now we've got the trial happening. How are you feeling? Because clearly it feels like they're still moving forward with it. What's the communication around this? Because we've got a different government in now. Mm. So I would have thought that maybe they would have said hey, you know, we've, we've got out of this what we needed to, we don't really need to pursue it.
1: Considering Bernard Caleri has been now, that case has been dropped, is there any chance that it's going to happen for you as well?
2: No, I don't think so. But that is, um, e- again, for the sort of like the PhD stuff, for the list, there's a, apparently our spies told us that Dreyfus tried to get uh, Bernard Caleri's case dropped early and uh, and, and it wasn't that easy. And the, the spies pushed back on it and said, we, look, we need to make an example of this guy. And the only reason that it actually did get dropped wasn't really Dreyfus, but because East Timor said, we're going to do a deal with China because we hate you guys so much. Yeah. <laughs> and then real politics kicked in and they said, oh, okay, maybe we can look at the Bernard Calera case again. And that is one of the things that the people behind the scenes really have a lot more power. The Mike Pizzullos of the world actually have more power.
1: Oh, I want to talk about him later. (laughs) I do want to talk about Mike Pizzullo and a few other people in the bureaucratic circles that are going on. But just going back to the trial, you were going to use public interest as a defence. However, the two witnesses that you were going to use to support that have been bounced you can't use them
2: yeah no the public interest disclosure act is a joke and that actually wasn't the act in that case that was the because we also it's a, it's a funny three-way use an expression in the courtroom because not only do we have the prosecutors trying to put me in jail but we also have the attorney general's department well they call the attorney general's department i think they really represent the spies in the u.s and they say they sort of Stop the information coming in. So they say, we're here to protect the information. And mm. so they banned my banned my witnesses. <laughs> and uh, they even banned one of my own witness statements They said that's too secret for anybody to hear. And so it's a bit of a joke because if if you can control the information in a trial, if you control, you know they're going to let all the prosecution information go in, but stop all my information going in. Of course, you're going to win the trial. So, yeah, it's it, it doesn't really work having the attorney generals there, and of course they're not the name attorney generals. It sounds like oh look, you know, there's some sort of referee, but they're not. They're playing team government. Mm. That will be one of the big factors about how that plays out in my trial is how how much information is stopped under these draconian laws that they passed after nine eleven, sort of under the impression that people, you know, undercover. People we may have in Al Qaeda and sort of to protect their identities, whatever. Even the judge sometimes can't hear the evidence. That seems ridiculous. But the jury and the judge can't hear the evidence used to convict you. Now, maybe, you know, in that sort of case, but of course, in my case, there's there's no secret operatives, you know, identities that need to be protected. It's just they miss like anything. I guess I'd be the same if I was in government. You, if you've got an advantage, you use that advantage. Yeah, you play it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so what is the feedback that you're getting like in terms of is this something that is probable, it's going to go, definitely go ahead or are people kind of supporting you and saying, no, 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 we're working really hard? Are you hearing from people in the government saying, look, we're, we're trying to shut this down? What, what is the state of play at the moment?
2: It, well, it's it's quite a good mystery, and we don't know. So, yeah, I, I, if you could get a bet on I wish I put a bet on myself a few years ago. Do each way.
0: I do each uh, way. <laughs> on the uh,
1: nose every time.
2: I think it's about 50-50. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think yeah.
0: you get it in. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Do you
1: expect there to be a delay? Because at, at the moment you're looking – you're just under a month away. It's the November, November 6th. You're meant to appear in the Superior Court of the mm-hmm. ACT. Yeah. But – I do believe that the prosecutor was not happy with that date. You were. Is it, like, is there a chance it's going to be delayed, setback...
2: You do have good knowledge, yeah. No, uh. I read a lot. <laughs>
0: he's on Reddit. He's like, he's literally not, like a seventeen-year-old. I'm
2: not going to speak to my lawyers. I'm going to call you. Yeah.
1: now. Well, I've got some stuff about the ICC and the dictates of uh, if subordinates are investigated, the state also needs to be investigated, i.e., the commanders and. Well,
2: full commander that's responsibility. exactly right, and that's what that's what some of my uh, more cynical friends say that the only reason they even had the Bertrand report was to stop that happening because it actually. It protected the commanders because, yeah, if the ICSC come to call and we are members, they look at the commanders. They don't really care about the corporals. And so that would have scared, even though it may not have been that likely, the, the people in Canberra have got, are, are not particularly brave and they would not have wanted that to
1: happen. It's This is just a theory that's popped into my mind, is because the rules of engagement were getting so tight that the the political fallout of what was going on and we didn't want to be seen to be killing Innocent. So we didn't want any of that collateral damage stuff happening. Is there a chance that what was going on with the soldiers on the ground were actually being briefed to carry things like throwdowns or was that something they improvised up themselves? I don't know. Not so much no, no, an good. order as a suggestion from a commanding officer saying, make sure you've got a radio on them. If you kill someone, you shouldn't. Chuck it down next to him and then we've, we're all clear, clear and free.
2: It's a very good observation. And listeners, I'm going to give this podcast... A plus, because that is a <laughs>
0: <laughs> boom.
2: Baby. That, that he,
0: it's like this was. This is the the moment where you can actually see David's <laughs> head explode. He <laughs> he loves. He lives for this stuff. And now that someone's fully recognised it, he's very happy. Little
1: eyes are spinning
0: here. Yeah,
2: no. I have. To, I have to say that is well deserved because that. While I don't think that that was ever actually said, that was exactly one of my problems to say we did not look into it was almost like we only want good news wink wink
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, you're yeah.
2: going to give us good news aren't you wink wink and um yeah that was one of the things that annoyed me that the bloke that I was defending who who'd shot someone in self-defense he didn't put a throwdown on him he said look the guy grabbed you know grabbed my rifle and there was a witness there it just made sense mm. and and he could have put a throwdown on him and he or he could have put a knife in his hand or yeah could he didn't he just told it like it was. He got you know they wanted to put him in jail for life, but then there were people with all these fairly obvious. Like some of the throwdowns were reused and reused and reused. Yeah, it's the oh same radio
1: every time. Yeah,
2: and that was never Watch looked into. The
0: actual fight, like seriously?
2: Yeah, and there was one. There was an AK with all this sort of coloured masking tape on it, so it was quite recognisable. Distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. Reused, 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 and no, no one would ever had to justify that. So that is yeah it sounds exactly like David was saying they were saying just give us some sort of you know fig leaf of believability yeah. and no one's going to ask any questions mm. but if if you if you're the poor schmuck who shoots someone in a mist on the top of a mountain we're going to put you in jail
0: so you bring a lot of this stuff to light and as painful and difficult as all that is you know some real changes are going to happen and you know things have come out that needed to be known and i think in order for them to it, for change to happen. We kind of needed it to be known, but I guess at what cost? So as a whistleblower, you would have an expectation there'd be some form of protection if what you found is found to be credible. Why do you think that isn't happening here? Is it because it's a military case?
2: I think it's because Australia is in a worse position than most of us actually realise and that we, everything has become politicised. That is the that is the nature of our government at the moment. Everything is window dressing. Everything is like, how do we win the next election cycle? Mm. Put out uh, stories which look good, but don't worry about actually governing the country. And we have, you know, most of these anti-terrorism laws that are used on people like myself and um, Bernard Cleary. And you saw the ridiculous thing, even the, uh, the tax office blow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even they tried to get suppression orders for that. Now, how mm. could the Adelaide... Tax office, you know, doing garnishy orders on <laughs> small businessmen. How is that going to be, you know, of interest to the Chinese? But apparently it is. And I think perhaps the only way we're going to get change, this is why I say I ne- would never want to take a backward step and my lawyer and I never want to sort of take a mental health um, card, but to say maybe the only way we're really going to get change is that I go to jail. And people are going to say, really? You're putting this guy in jail after everything that's happened? And then people will actually have to look at the bigger picture. I mean, in some ways, the worst thing that could happen is if they just drop the charges now because nothing will be fixed. Yeah, it
0: would kind of be swept under the the rug. So in terms of, you know, looking at the possibility of jail time and stuff, what does that do for your mental toll? And what toll has this taken for you and your family? Like, I would imagine this would be quite a tough situation. You're doing what's right and, of course, you've got to feel good about that, but at what toll for yourself and your family?
2: Look, it's been hard and I I can't overly complain because th- this is like the battle I've always wanted. I grew up watching war movies as a kid and I always wanted to be involved in something bigger than myself. There was
1: also the story of your father and the exposure of thalidomide, which is like I love those chapters in the book, by the way. They're
0: fascinating.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. you. It's good to hear that. Again, it's re- really, I say that, genuinely because you're the fir- you're the first civilian to have read it and um,
0: oh he's the so- perfect civilian <laughs> he's like the perfect one
2: and so uh, so that's great but it, it's uh, yeah and it is quite an interesting interplay between the two of us but it is hard I've got two teenage kids and it's going to be very hard mm. for them jail mm-hmm. is not particularly uh, you know no matter how much bravado you have outside the court obviously it's, it's a bit different in the court and when the jail jail cell and you know i'm almost 60 years old so if i get a decent whack i'm going to come out an old man yeah so, yeah right i i can't say look, i look i'm to be honest i don't i'm not going to go skipping into jail and um but I, it is what i believe is right i mean one of the hard things is just making sure that your story is told properly in the court case as long as it is i will go and at least with my head held up high because i want to get change in this country and a lot of the good news is a lot i think most people in australia probably support me And those who know about the case anyway. And Mm. um, yeah, I really hope that we can get change. And as I said, jail might be the way to do it, to say, look, this is me. This is the truth. Um, You can put me in jail if you want, but I'm not going to back down on it. We need to fix this kind of window dressing phony PR style of government and replace it with a real government as soon as we can.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that I'm finding difficult to comprehend is how someone who comes out and does what is right and has has been proven to be supported once they've done investigations and, and so forth, and yet, you know, you that isn't enough to protect you. That isn't enough to kind of keep you out of jail. And we wonder why in this country it's so difficult for whistleblowers and people to come forward.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good test case. And the idea that the government can um, put you in jail for calling out government crime, I yeah. mean, that's got to be wrong. But if people don't stand on now, 10, 20 years' time, that will be the law. And mm. you would just have to play along with the government, whatever it says, and uh, we need the high court to rule on it, to say, look, there are limits. You just can't get, put people in jail because they dissent with what the government wants to do.
1: Well, there's an interesting... I mean, for me, when you look at the... The department of defense there's a really interesting article that i read basically with peter costello saying one of the most difficult things for him as a treasurer for 11 years was dealing with defense because everybody's got their own patch nobody really tells you where the money's going there's i mean there is an idea that defense is quite a corrupt department because of the amount of money that goes into it a lot of it's untraceable but how much of the problem with defense is like symptomatic of the lack of responsibility and accountability that the political class is now showing. There's so much, like we had a prime minister that turned around and said in the middle of the worst bushfires we'd had in like half a century, I don't hold hold a hose. It's not my job to worry about this. It is your job. How much of that is now, if your political masters are saying it's not my problem, don't blame me, how much of that is leaching into departments like Defence, Home Affairs with Mike Petullo, where they basically say, I don't need to be held accountable. And if you do hold me accountable, you're the one that's
2: going to fall in the hole. Yeah, it's about 90%. I mean, that is exactly right. And that's why I have sympathy for the soldiers, even the ones that put throwdowns. Because you'd say, well, when you take away the emotion, and we are we kill people in wars, yeah. and, and we are allowed to, in fact. In fact, we're even allowed to kill civilians in certain ways circumstances, which we don't talk about. And if it's a Taliban guy riding a motorbike with his wife on the back, he can get permission to kill the wife as well, you know. Yeah, collateral that,
0: damage. Yeah, collateral damage. But. So
2: the idea that we don't kill people is, is overrated. We do. And so the guy that places a throw down, bad as it is, he is... No worse than, um, probably a lot better than someone who buys a jet, th- knowing that it doesn't really do the job very well, but because they're getting a kickback or a minister yeah. who, who who carries out some sort of flim-flam policy, knowing it'll make him more popular, but knowing that it's not actually good for the long-term interests of Australia. I mean, they were just, the soldiers, the fish rots from the head down, as I say, and they were... They were really doing what the people in the suits were doing as well. Mm. If it's not necessarily as easy to sell to the electorate because it doesn't. It's not about killing people, but lies are the touchstone of the Defense Department. It is a department based on lies. You know everything. All the. And you're right, because there's so much money. I mean, people get kickbacks. If you buy submarines for whatever hundred billion, someone is getting a kickback. Yeah. If you buy, you know, jets, someone is getting a kickback everywhere. There's a huge revolving door where people leave defense and they come back and they, and they end up working for Raytheon or whatever McDonnell Douglas. And the idea that we actually buy the best equipment is ridiculous. We buy whatever whoever's had the biggest lunch, whoever's getting the biggest kickback. They say the only reason we got the French subs was because someone spent six months in France living in shadows and sort of like, yeah, "Yeah." you know.
0: Well. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, my my, my father was in the Defence Force, so I kind of grew up around the Defence Force. But he, you know, he was he left and got offered a redundancy at the time where they started, you know, becoming a, a little less reliant on their own soldiers and kind of like going outward. Everything was all about money and saving money and companies were formed. And instead of like paying people within the ranks to do a job, we, we got rid of them and then we paid a company to do that same yeah, job and we yeah. paid
1: them twice as much and we, as we
0: paid, paid them the twice as much okay, and, they
2: did half as good a job yeah
0: yeah it's kind of the corporatization of the defense force yeah. we kind of saw that happen through the 80s and 90s quite significantly what do you think it is that we need to do like how how can we get the defense force back on track how can we save face and you know get back to what it was we were good at
2: yeah, it's a great question. And that's uh, ultimately, I, I love, still love the Defence Force. I love the ideas about it. And I would like to go back as a consultant and, mm. and to try to fix those problems because it can be fixed. It, w- it won't be easy. And I think that's one of the reasons why, as I said, I don't want them to drop the charges because we do need... You know, we we do need some pretty drastic action. And what, for, one of the first things we need to fix is that you don't get promoted either in defence or when you're actually the chief of the defence force just by saying yes, yes, minister, yes, whatever you want. Yeah. And that we have some sort of better system where people can say, look, no, that's not actually in the interest of Australia or, or whatever. That's illegal and not get punished for doing that. And you're right, we have to start looking at the purchasing and um, – and the privatisation of various different things, and it's yeah, Australia will benefit. It's worth doing, and you're right. It it makes it breaks my heart that the people like your father and other good people, who um you know got sick of that. i I know a lot of people who were again really good officers who had the right the right staff basically, but who just got same got just got sick of the fact that it was it was becoming a sort of a pantomime of department where uh we just whatever political flavor of the month or whatever was going became and and you're not meant to care and why would you care you know people do care it waters down to the self-respect of a nation. If you Mm. have a rubbish defence force Mm. and everybody knows it's rubbish, but everybody's like, oh, it's good enough for government work, whatever. That destroys a nation, you know, we're only as good. I think it's right that Australians are very proud of the defence force. I don't think it's because I think something about it is it epitomizes your national soul and psyche, but it needs to be looked after. And if it becomes a joke, the nation becomes a joke.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like my 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 father was like um, he he entered into military when he was seventeen. You know, he took a redundancy. He was a he was a flight lieutenant. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he, it was his passion and something really drove him to leave. But- I have
1: a brother who's ex army. Same sort of effect. By the end of his career, he was just so disillusioned with the politics. Within the department. It's something you brought up in the book as well, the the chinless wonders in the the British Army, how the officers are only around for five years, whereas in Australia, they stick around for a lifetime career. And because of that, you're always covering your ass to maintain your career, where in England, the officers are generally going to go out and work in the corporate sphere or go back to the family manor and wind up in the House of Lords. (laughs) But because of that, they keep their asses clean because they can't afford any problems.
2: Yeah, it's actually – it's it's it, it's a flip side of what you'd imagine. The, the yeah. Australians look down on the Chinless wonders, but they would never – they would never dud their soldiers from the council estates or whatever, you know, so they could get ahead of – they'd just laugh at you, and like, as if I'm going to do that, you know. They, um, they, they take their – they might be funny-looking and not very good at running with packs in the back, but they <laughs> – they take their uh, their responsibilities about standing up when the shit hits the fan. They take that very seriously, and you're right because because they, they don't have a forty year career to worry about. As you said, they're going to go back to their manner. so they couldn't care less about the next promotion in in order to put someone else down.
0: Right. So, look, I think we have to kind of wrap it up. But, David, yeah. it was so great to have you. Highly oh, recommend- thanks, Michelle. It's oh. really nice of you to
1: say so. Go on, no, go. sorry.
0: He's, <laughs> he's never heard that in the three years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the book, The Nature of Honour, highly recommend. When's it coming out?
2: From the moment, 14 November, but you can – Pre-order it okay. online, and I'd be very grateful for anybody to pre-order it.
0: Yes, everyone can pre-order it. The Nature of Honor, check it out. David McBride, very good. And also, we'll keep a close eye on the trial and what's happening. And hopefully, it'll be something good. Um, but it would be great to touch base with you again Otherwise, at some
2: point. I can do a Zoom link from inside. <laughs> Not a problem. I sense.
0: know. I know. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your man on the inside. You'll be the man on the inside. <laughs> it's
2: a totally new podcast. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it'll be all about what's going on around
2: you it could be interesting you know well anyway um, thank you so much for having me
1: Uh, thank you for
0: coming in thank you